Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Welcome back, everyone, to Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Morrison here. This is podcast number 401, if you can believe that. We're getting there. Thanks for being here as we talk about how to persuade, motivate, influence, how to persuade yourself, how to get what you want, when you want, and win friends for life. Hope everyone's having a great week. Good news today. We've got a special guest today named Gitta Pellerin. And we're going to call him Gates. So we're going to go through this. We can read a quick bio for you. And we're going to work through some great techniques to make you a better negotiator. So Gates is an experienced sales and marketing executive with over 30 years of global experience in negotiation sales management, having negotiated multi-million dollar contracts in Japan, China, Thailand, Europe, and North America. He spent the last 11 years as a negotiation consultant and executive coach. Gates has always been motivated to understand what's driving each of us, emotions, fears, desires. He loves helping and coaching people, seeing how much they can gain in confidence and the ability to be themselves. His book is called Mindful Negotiation, Becoming More Aware in the Moment, Conquering Your Ego and Getting Everyone to What They Really Want. So Gates is released from Montreal, Canada. He's now in Connecticut with his wife and stepson. He has two sons still in Montreal, Gates, welcome. Thank you, Kurt. Good to have you here as we talk about get a vital life skill we should have learned in school. But the listeners know we have to start off with our very first question for every guest. What is the worst vegetable on the planet and why? The worst vegetable for me is overcooked asparagus because it tastes nothing and it's a chewy feeling that it's not really appealing. <laughs> I'm with you. When that's overcooked, it's like a stringy, gooey, tasteless something. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> I'll go with that every vegetable. I think that's why most kids hate vegetables, is they were never cooked the right way. You get the snot beat out of them by kicking them too much. So that's one. That's a all right. We'll put that on the list for worst vegetables on the planet. Let's get into some great skills to make people better negotiators, help our listeners become better negotiators. Mm-hmm. So before we start talking about, you know, negotiation and a few other things. Let's just jump in up front here. Talk a lot about this on the show. Some of the big blunders. What do you see is out there right now for most people, the biggest negotiation blunder? There's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now, right? There's the pandemic that it's not over. People are getting very emotional and people don't know what to do with it. If you look in the sport arena, you see Many athletes having difficulties with mental, with their mental, you know, infrastructure or their mental strength, if you want. People have a hard time to go through that pandemic because it's emotionally charged. People are tired. People are worried. People want to go back to normal. And the normal is not the normal. It's a new environment. So I find people having a hard time to go through that because of everything. It's all emotionally charged. Emotionally charged means what? That 
When we are emotional, we're making bad decisions. When people are going through a divorce, what seems rational for somebody is totally emotional for the other side and versa versa. So for me, the biggest negotiation that's happening in the world, it's one with ourselves and what to do next to get out of that pandemic in, in a healthy way. Yeah, I agree. The pandemic, the emotions, the fear, people handling emotions, emotional intelligence, all those things so critical just for normal life, not only negotiation, but normal life. To Normal life, yes. Totally. Yeah, it's crazy how, like you said, the new normal. I don't think we really know what that is, but there has been great change in the world of persuasion and negotiation. So let me ask you on the emotional side, and I love with your title in your book, we talk about negotiation where you capitalize ego. Mm-hmm. So tell me about negotiation and why you chose to do that where the ego is involved with the negotiation. That's a great question. First of all, most of us believe that when we negotiate or influence somebody, it's easy to be and stay in control. It's easy to improvise, to pivot in the moment. Negotiation looks easy from the outside until we have to do it ourselves. Suddenly, we feel unprepared, stressed, out of control, unable to slow down time and gain clarity. If you ask anybody that just been through negotiation and ask them if they felt in control or if it went as planned, they'll likely tell you that, no, it didn't go as planned. And I was stressed and I was unable to stop the carpet from being pulled from under my feet. How can somebody intelligent, talented, and skilled goes from confident and competent to totally uncontrolled, totally freaked out, only in a few moments in a negotiation meeting? What's happening here is we're dealing with something that none of our intellect, talent, or skill has prepared us for. It's called emotion. We are afraid of upsetting the other party. We are scared of speaking about what we need or afraid of delivering a bad news. Our bonus is on the line. We feel pressure to make the deal happen. We are insecure about our sense of incompetence. We feel judged by our boss. Or maybe we want to lash out at the table across the table. Or maybe we want to run away or just back down entirely. None of these emotions are new. We felt them before. But most of the time as we go about work, we don't have to face that. To succeed in business, we are told to rationalize everything, to numb our emotion. The theory behind that is if we cut ourselves off from emotion, work becomes easier to navigate, strategies are quicker to plan, and deals are more comfortable negotiating. Therefore, we can focus on our talent, skills, training, and intellect. Negotiation is different. When we negotiate, all our emotions comes out, come out of hiding at once. The likelihood that we deal with emotion during a negotiation, it's almost 100%. Why? Because all of us human beings, we are emotional. We have emotion, right? The logical structure of the negotiation that we think it's all about it doesn't support that approach anymore. Because emotions are there and the problem curve is when emotions are controlling us, we feel like we have no choice. We just want to get out of it as soon as possible. When we're emotional, we're stressed and we lose our ability to see clearly. We're not rational. We make bad decisions. We can't hear the other person. If you've been negotiating, likely 
ego is in control. And ego, it's the unconscious reacting structure that wants us to win. So every time I negotiate, my ego wants me to win. It wants me to demonstrate that I'm the best. When we persuade people, the only reason why we want to persuade people is to make us right. Because it gives us power. It gives us a sense of control about them. Negotiation, it's about survival. For our ego, I'm negotiating with somebody. I don't want to lose because if I lose, I cannot lose against a lion. That was like that in early days. Today, ego is reacting exactly the same, the same way. Therefore, influencing somebody, it's more about winning. It's about controlling others. Negotiation could also be about avoiding damaging the relationship or afraid of losing the deal. So negotiation with ego built in means that we are under the control of our emotion. And most negotiators have a hard time to handle their emotion in the real time. So that's why negotiation with ego built in is about just reacting It's hard to take the control back or pivot in the moment. And sometimes we feel we have no other choice. Let's dissect. There's a lot of great things with our ego because we know that we are definitely emotional creatures. There's no doubt about that. When that emotion gets involved, I loved when you talked about when our emotions kick in, we can't hear the other person, which is challenging, and that our ego wants to win. And we like to say, to be correct now, well, everybody's a winner. We should all win. Win Win-win situation, but... If you get people with those emotions to hit, hit they, they both want to win, yeah. things happen, right? And that's, that's a good po- point to make out. And you mentioned, too, you, when you persuade, you want to be right. And mm-hmm. those are things to focus on. And, that, and that's a, a huge blunder for people where that ego and the emotion gets in. And let me ask you something else here as we dive deeper into negotiation is some people don't like to negotiate. Some people say, well, I don't want to play the game. And I've always said, look, if you don't play the game, you're going to lose the game, especially if the other party has come to play the game. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So, so why is it that some people love the game of negotiation? I'm going to win. Let's do this. And some people just don't like negotiation. They don't want to play. Where do you see that balance for those that don't enjoy it, but still have to do it? For most people, negotiating, it's like going to war. And when you go to war, unless you are fully equipped, trained and everything, it's not fun. People think they're better negotiator than they are actually are, right? Because of what? Because in their mind, it's all about being rational and I know it. And ego is telling people before the negotiation, no problem, you got it, you'll figure it out, that's fine. People don't even take the time to prepare. So when something goes wrong or goes as something happened that was not planned, What's coming up next is people are connecting with their emotions. They're in fear. They feel ashamed. They feel like they're losing control. And they don't, they didn't have the chance to plan for their emotion. They didn't have the chance to be thinking about what am I going to do if somebody's yelling at me? How am I going to take control back? If somebody is launching personal attacks, how am I going to react? And when we don't take the time to plan for it, obviously, it's hard to to handle those emotions in the moment. So people don't like it because 
they don't feel in control. People don't like it because it's not as easy as it looks like. And people don't like it because what? They just want to exit that negotiation. Kurt, you would be surprised how oftentimes people are going straight to their limit just to get rid of that negotiation. Is that at the end of the day, we're reacting to fears. And the reason why people don't enjoy negotiation, the final reason is because we don't learn from it. Our ego is telling us to forget about that experience. So we don't even take a moment to look back, say, what happened here? I got angry, I got scared, or I wanted to prove myself and I felt like totally incompetent. So we're not learning from what's happening. So next time, we're not better prepared. So it's kind of a vicious circle here. That's interesting to where we tend to think we're better than we actually are. And it doesn't look that hard. And then people don't plan. They don't plan. And then all of a sudden, it gets crazy emotional because their plan or their first plan didn't work out. And I like what you said, where we're just not learning from the negotiation, where we, well, it's their fault. They got out of control. Where does that preparation come in, that plan, that preparation, so I can handle my emotions better, so uh, I'm getting a better deal instead of just going, like you said, right to the end, right to their limit instead of truly negotiating? What are your thoughts to help our listeners plan better, learn from their experiences? That's a good point because everything starts with preparation, right? No elite athlete goes to a competition without practicing. And nobody from an art performing perspective got up on stage without practicing. And preparation and negotiation, it's the same. It's the foundation of the house. The foundation of the negotiation is a preparation. But people tell them, the ego tells people that, ah, you're good. You don't need to prepare. So first of all, preparation is allowing us to go off script. People like to go off script. But they cannot do that if you haven't done a good preparation. And when we prepare, there's two elements here. If I'm in my ego and I want to win, I'm going to prepare for myself. But I might not even spend a single second putting myself in the other party's shoes. What do they want? What do they care? What are they afraid of? What's their pain point, right? So it's all about us. And the ability to plan for what could be an emotional reaction in the meeting is crucial. For example, if I'm negotiating with a big retailer that has a very aggressive approach and they always interrupt me, how am I going to react to that? Or if they reject my proposal, what's happening? Right? So we don't always get the same feeling in preparation versus in the moment. But if I don't plan to handle my emotion in the moment, I won't be able to do it in real time. So preparation is giving us an advanced perspective of what can happen physically. So for example, if somebody's yelling at me, how should I react? Or what could be my reaction? I'm going to go in a place where mom and dad yell at me when I was a kid. It was not fun, and I just wanted to run away. Okay, so is there another way for me to be there and not take it personally? Is there a way for me to understand that maybe the other side is frustrated? Maybe they are having a bad day. Maybe that has nothing to do with me. So, Caritha, when you say how preparation can help, 
This is the time in preparation before we meet the other person to plan for what can happen, emotionally speaking. What can happen as a curveball? And in my book, I provide a lot of tips in the moment how to take control back of the emotion. For example, you're scared to deliver bad news in a negotiation, especially the pandemic, right? Price is going up. People are unable to deliver on the timeline you want them to deliver. So it's not fun to tell the other side, I can't give you what you want, or I need to increase your price by 15%. And people are not comfortable. Why? Because they are afraid of upsetting the other person. And when I coach people and I ask them, tell me what you want to tell your customer. And it goes super smoothly because I'm not their customer. So my teaching for them is, Did you see how confident, did you hear yourself how confident you were? It's because you were speaking without fear. And that's the same language you need to use with your customers. So preparation, practicing is giving us an upper hand on how we can manage our emotion in the moment. Yeah, maximizers, hopefully you caught that, that preparation. And that's the one huge blunder for people that just show up and see what's going to happen. But if you're prepared... And you've practiced and preparation is the research. It's mental. It's physical. I like what you said. You can go off script. You can be more in the moment. You, the moment, the emotions don't hit as much. And so that is a big takeaway there. Let me ask you something. We always like to ask all the negotiators. What our listeners want to know is how do you ask somebody for a raise? What are the uh, tips and tricks there? Or what are the blunders? (laughs) I love it. First of all, when you ask for a raise, uh, you can come in and you can persuade the other party. You know, I deserve a raise. I work harder than my colleague. That will be the biggest blunder because nobody wants to hear you complaining or whining, right? Mm -hmm. So you want a raise. First of all, you need to do your research. Why do you feel you need a raise? Is it because you underpaid versus everybody else that does the same job? So that's factual. Is your contribution help the company making more revenue, generating more saving, improving processes? Yes. Okay. So now there's a reason behind it, right? So when I go for a negotiation about a raise, it's not about me feeling good or being because I deserve it. It's because I can explain that my contribution was helpful for the company's success. So that's the first step. The second step is when I go into negotiation, I don't ask permission. That's another blunder. People say, are you willing to give me a raise? No, I'm not willing. Or people say, is there any room in your budget this year? No, I don't have any room in my budget. I want people to be confident and share what they want. I need a raise or I want a raise because of those reasons. Let the other party think. That's the most important element. And when we negotiate a raise, we should expect a no for multiple reasons. Sometimes people, some companies have bandwidth salary. You cannot uh, go beyond that level. That title has that band of salary. Fine, or maybe it's not planning a budget for this year, or maybe another reason. So the element here is to not to take the negotiation personal. And if the other side says, no, I can't, 
The next step to do is to be curious. Why not? What is preventing you to give me a raise? And it could be, well, I don't have the money this year. Okay, great. So how about next year? If money is impossible, what else can a negotiator do? If I negotiate a raise for my next job, I don't get the raise. Can I get a signature bonus? Can I get an extra week of vacation? If I'm younger in my career, can I get my employer to pay my MBA? Those are elements that will help the negotiator getting what they want, even if the other side is giving us a no. Got it. No, those are great tips. I mean, when you make it all about you, that causes a lot of resistance. Expect the no. Don't let that throw you off. Those are important things to understand when you're negotiating any aspect of a razor or anything. Yeah. Good point. Well, let me give you one final question here. You've done this all over the world, obviously, from Asia to Europe to North America. And you've noticed that uh, people are different. Cultures are different. Companies are different. What is that one kind of the tip to think about or to do when we're negotiating with a different culture because they're so different in their mindset about negotiation? What are your thoughts? Yes. One of the things I love about culture is to understand the difference. And understand the difference means what? I need to be curious, right? So let's go back to preparation. If I'm going to negotiate in the Middle East, I should do some research about how those people are negotiating. People are arguing all the time. You talk about Italian negotiating with each other on the street. It feels like they're yelling at each other, but they're just the way of expressing themselves. So first of all, negotiating with different culture, I need to do my homework. There's a couple of books on culture that will give us a good sense of what to do, what not to do. Second thing is the ability to be curious, right? Somebody says something, what do you mean specifically? If you negotiate in Japan, they'll never tell you no, but they will tell you it will be really difficult to give you what you want. Okay, so what do you mean when you say really difficult? Because we all go in with our own perception, our own bias, and we expect the other side to negotiate exactly the same way with the same style as our style or our culture, which is the biggest mistake in international negotiation. We expect the other party to behave as we do. The ability to detach emotion from the objective, it's absolutely crucial. In Asia, the most senior people are not on the table. They're just watching, they're observing, they're coming late, they use that as their leverage. We want to understand, we want to be curious. What's the decision process here? How does it work? Who has to sign up for? And understand everybody's position and bring creativity to come to an agreement. Meaning what? Brainstorming a solution. So if that doesn't work and this doesn't work, can we work together for a solution that makes both of us in a situation where we can say yes? So being curious, do your homework, removing emotion from the conversation itself and use creativity to figure out something else that makes both of us happy. No, well said. I like that. Uh, just be curious. Do your research. Don't be offended when they negotiate differently than you. It's so important because their styles are so much different. And there's no right or wrong. We're just different. That's what makes the world great. And just being prepared for that to 
not do go back to what's called the consensus effect where you think everyone thinks like you or negotiates like you. Mm -hmm. Very important to understand. Well, that's great information to help us negotiate better to understand that. Well, Gates, thanks for being here. We learned some great information on negotiation, persuasion, and influence. You're seeing the emotional side, the ego, good information. Take something that you learned today and apply it. Use it. That's the key here. Just a tool a week. Learn it. Use it. If you want more information about the show, go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com. There's the archives there. That's also the place to take your free Persuasion IQ assessment. Check out Influence University and get the free book, Maximum Influence, for free. Just pick up a little shipping and handling. Of course, you can find us at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, and on YouTube under Maximize Your Influence. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about the show. Master the world of negotiation and go out and persuade with power.